Good morning and welcome to episode 74 of the Quickie Podcast, everybody. Thank you for being here. This episode should have been up yesterday. I love interviewing these amazing, talented designers and illustrators and creative directors. I love putting these episodes together for you, the listener. Yesterday, I had a family situation come up that I needed to take care of, and that prevented me from getting this episode up in time. Um, So I had to skip a day. I apologize for that. It puts a little dent in my consistency, but family comes first. With that said, let's get into the show. My guest today is Jason Craig. He's an independent designer and illustrator in Augusta, Georgia, Golf Town. Yes. Jason grew up in the Midwest, that blue-collar world, so design and that creative path initially was a bit of a right turn for him. He talks about the first project, the first real project he got to do when it was for a three-on-three basketball tournament t-shirt. Um, and coincidentally, this was also the first time where he started really noticing design out in the world. And that was when they gave him credit for the work he did on the shirt right on it. But the typography that they used was just ugh, yuck. He talks about that. We also get into a story about one of his jobs where he got to do poster design for Kevin Hart, Perez Hall, just to name a couple. We talk about the love that we both have for vintage design and screen print, vintage packaging, and how it's just so timeless. I love looking at it. Jason and I also talk about how he was asked by Pastor Troy to do some album art way back early on in Pastor Troy's career. He talks about how that came about and what that taught him because he actually ended up getting fired from that job for accepting that work and the lessons that that taught him. We talk about that. He tells us a story about a boardroom kick in the gut at one of his last jobs. They spent months and months putting this awesome work together. Thumbs up from the client, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Oh, this is it. And they gave a boardroom pitch with a whole bunch of people in the boardroom. And the other person was on speakerphone and just with five or six words, just boom, kicked him in the gut. Talks about that and how he bounced back from that. And I love his ask it forward question. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it involves black coffee. It's a really unique one. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is jam-packed, so let's get right to it. Jason Craig, here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Jason. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I don't mess around. I get right to it. So briefly tell the listeners about yourself. So I am an illustrator, designer, and artist from Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I make logos. I paint murals. I, I do a lot of stuff down here. Yeah, in Augusta, Georgia, we were just talking about your, you must be a significant golfer. You have to be to live here or at least appreciate you know golf because it's a big part of our community. 
<laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's great, man. So you've been freelancing and how many years have you been doing that for? So actually I just started freelancing. Oh, uh, really? okay. uh, yeah, I just started, uh, I've been, I've been a full-time designer for over 20 years and I finally decided to, to do my own thing. It was just time. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing just before you started freelance? I worked for, well, I was doing some freelance. I kind of had one foot in and one foot out. So, gotcha. uh, I worked for a music festival, uh, art and music festival for the last three years. And then before that I was at a, at a pretty decent size agency for six and a half years. Gotcha. Just sort of production designer cranking things out there. Uh, senior designer at both. So there was, you know, I was managing a lot of the projects and at the last one it was a nonprofit. So we had a small staff. So I did a lot more of the impl- implementation and all mm-hmm. that, but, uh, we had a pretty good team at the agency. So I've been, I've been managing designers for a while too. Yeah, that's great. And the the music and art festival gig, that sounds yeah. like it'd be kind of funky. Oh, it was super cool. It was somebody that I was involved with for several years before I went to work there. Mm-hmm. And then just getting to, to put that on and learn the ins and outs of how a nonprofit works was, was really interesting. So I actually put on uh, four festivals there in three years. And so it was, it was a, a really cool experience. Oh, that is cool. Okay, so I want to go back even further than that, and I want to dive yeah. into your childhood a little bit. And tell okay. us, tell us what that was like. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood? I I was creative, but I grew up in the Midwest, and so being, especially being a a a, a dude in the Midwest, like when you go to tell your parents that you're creative, that's the last thing they want to hear because everybody <laughs> there is a a farmer or works in a factory, and you know they're all. They're all dirty men's men, you know, and so so it's since you talk creative world, right? Right, yeah. And so uh, I grew up doing a lot of stuff, you know. I drew a lot, and I was I was in the art club, but then I also played every sport there was. So it all balanced out. Uh, but growing up there was very different because I didn't see the opportunities that I have now. And so it was just ultimately I, I, my plan was to move away, which I did like right out of high school. I just got out of there immediately. Well, there was the, the, the part of, you know, wanting to pursue my creative goals, but the other is that I just hate the snow. And so it snows up there about six months a year. And, and I was done with that. Does it really? It snows a lot and the sky is gray. All, all the, all the Pete Midwest listeners, if they can get internet, they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> if they can get internet. <laughs> Love it. So what do you think out of your childhood? Do you think, um, was there a, you know, a family member or somebody like that who helped encourage that creative direction? Or was it sort of a, you had to battle it out on your own? I sort of had to battle it out. I had some teachers here and there that were supportive, but Later in life, I came to realize that both of my grandfathers, when they retired from Caterpillar, they're both union factory guys. Mm-hmm. When they retired, both of them started doing creative stuff almost immediately. Oh, and so I think that those inclinations came somewhere from that because both of them are, you know, they're super, they're always toiling and making stuff. And, and they're just, they're kind of those Midwest maker people, you know, but they waited until they were retired to do it. And I'm really glad that that's not the path I took because I would have, I'd hate to be sitting here on your podcast now, but be 67 years old. Yeah. It, just so. getting into this, just freelance. Right. Just <laughs> yeah. Breaking it away from the union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. See, seeing what all the kids are up to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got it. So 
I want to know if there was a moment in your creative career, um, or you know, early on when you were first learning and starting out in school, was there a moment where you started noticing design or art or something out in the world and it really just clicked and lit the fire for you? So I was always kind of a, a, a punk kid. I never really got into too much trouble, but I was not the prom king. I wasn't the, the most popular kid. I was just sort of somewhere in the middle and, and mm-hmm. caused enough trouble to keep everybody on their toes. And I remember one day in I was in art class, which I always pretty much got D's and F's in art class because I was just defiant, never wanted to do the projects, you know, <laughs> and, and acted like I was better than everybody. And so uh, this this lady from our uh, convention and visitors bureau came in and they pulled me out in the hall and asked me if I'd do a T-shirt design for this three-on-three basketball tournament. Just like and, out of nowhere like that? Yeah, well, they I was I was pretty known for being able to draw and 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 do all those things, but this was the first time that that a professional. But up to that point, it was people wanting me to draw tattoos and and all those things. And this was the first time that a that like a professional, respectable person asked me to do something. And so Mm -hmm. I took it really serious, and I did a what I thought was a really good job on the shirt. And then when they gave me one of the shirts, I noticed that they had put my name under the design with a you know, a credit. And I, I didn't know anything about typography or fonts or anything at that point. I'd never even used the computer before. And they had done it in some font, like a, like a, some odd sans serif that just drove me crazy. It was the worst <laughs> thing I'd ever, it just didn't match, you know? Yeah. And I think that was the first time that I saw design is is recognizing bad design for the first time which yeah as you know once you once you have that vision you can't unsee bad design everywhere you go for sure and, and so that was whenever i got that designer curse so up to that point I, I just considered myself an artist and then at that point you know that was the early seed for design <laughs> by noticing the the credit on the t-shirt and how it was done all wrong yeah, I'm gonna have to scan that and put. I've always wanted an excuse to show that shirt because I still have it, and this might be this might be my 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 this way is of doing it. Man. That. When this episode this goes up, it. you need to add a slideshow to it. And it's, just... it's relevant again. The the 30 year old shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So um, the next question I got for you is about the most influential design of your life so far. I mean, aside from the T-shirt there, which paid a sort of played a pivotal role in your early career. Is there a design or a project or something that stands out as the most influential? So I, I think that, that one of the biggest things that happened for me was whenever I got out of school, I started, I, I bugged this, I found out there was a place there coloring comic books and you know, I was artsy, I guess they would say. And I, I was kind of, killing the summer after high school and somebody said you know there's a guy that's coloring comic books or doing something and i went down and check it out and they were in there coloring justice league and you know batman and superman and that was really cool i wasn't into comics but i saw this is the first time i saw creatives in an office you know and it was really cool i wanted to be a part of it so i sort of became like I bugged him and sort of became kind of an intern and I bugged him and bugged him until they actually gave me a job. And, and whenever I started working there, I was hooked on it. I 
I learned Photoshop and started getting to use these at the time really fancy computers. And that was where I made enough money that I could actually move away. And so I think that that being able to do that, it was sort of like my life goal or my, my biggest goal in life at that point was just to get out of my surroundings. Mm-hmm. And through my first job, I was able to do that. And so that's been a huge, you know, a pivotal moment for me. Uh, and that just kind of set me on my path that I felt like I should have been on. Mm-hmm. So that first intern gig that turned into your first job, yeah, um, you know, helped you spread your wings and get out of there. It did. It did. And then the thing that was that was funny is that I had such a big ego at that point. I had been working on these books that were published all around the world. And whenever I moved down to Augusta, Georgia, they didn't really, I didn't, it didn't really apply to, to anything else. And so I had to kind of, I had to start at the bottom, but that was fine because I was, I was, you were there. Yeah. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. I feel you there. Um, is who is a designer or brand that you look up to or closely follow? So there's, there's quite a few, but I'm into like, Lately, I have really been looking at some of these sort of lowbrow screen printers. There's some guys in Philadelphia, Chicago. I've always been a fan of Ryan Dugan mm-hmm. in Chicago. Uh, he does some really irreverent posters. Uh, there's a few guys in Philly that are doing a really cool stuff. Pink Bike Ralph is a. I met him not too long ago, and and we kind of hit it off, and and we talk a good bit. Uh, there's some guys in Austin, but th- these screen printers that are making these real lowbrow, gritty posters uh, are doing a, just an awesome job. They're so funny and clever, and it, the reason I like them is because they're almost they're almost uh, immune to trend, mm-hmm. you know. And and what they're doing has been around for a while, and it'll be around, you know, after it becomes popular, they'll still be doing it, you know, in a few years, and it'll still be awesome. So those guys, I, I love looking at what they're doing, and I. I'm trying. I don't try to copy that, but it, it does inspire me to get in there and, and screen print some more. Man, that's so true. I love looking at like screen printed posters and anything that I feel like remotely has a vintage feel or vibe to it. It just yeah. remains timeless. You know, absolutely. Cool yeah. In fifteen twenty years from now, um, just on the weekend, I walked through an antique store with my family, and the coolest section to me was where they just had a bunch of empty old boxes. Like packaging, right. retail packaging. And I think part of it too is we, we've got on this kick where everything has to be perfect. Everything mm-hmm. has to have white space. Everything's lined up just right. And it's stuff like that. that It's the imperfections and the, the fact that they're not striving to make it identical is what's starting to appeal because we're so used to having everything be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of like misregistration. It's like it looks cool. Sure. It looks great now. Exactly. And, and it gives you a, it gives you, you can see that they had a chance to experiment that maybe something didn't work out the way they had planned, but they ran with it anyway. And some of that has to do with the time crunch. You know, we got a, a conference or a music festival coming up tomorrow. We got to print these posters. Uh, the paper's wrong. Yeah, I do it anyway. Yeah. So that, that's kind of, I, 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 I dig that. That's cool. So for the festival that you worked on, did you yep. get an opportunity to do some screen printed posters or anything like that? So I didn't get to do screen printed posters, but I did get to do, cause we were doing so many of them, the quantity we'd send them to a printer, but I got to work with some really awesome people there. I got to do posters for Kevin Hart and who, uh, uh, Esperanza Spalding and Prez Hall. 
So I got to do a lot of really cool stuff for some pretty big acts that it was sort of like, it was, it was a little bit bittersweet because they were acts that I always, people, I would love to screen print posters for, but I end up screen printing for smaller bands or touring bands. And so these huge bands would come through and I'd get to design some pretty cool stuff for them. But it was sort of like, yeah, it's that, that day job passion project divide. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're on that day job side of it. So you know, making a poster for Kevin Hart whenever he was the top entertainer in the world was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Do you still have that around? Yeah, I have. I do. I have those around. They're That's just cool. a different style. You know, they're, they're just a different, they're more appropriate to, to the, to the job at the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's cool, man. What a cool experience that would be. Oh yeah. So I want to ask you about your process now. You might okay. not think that your particular process is unique at all but tell us a little bit about it and what might make it a bit different what makes it yours so my approach is is everything i do i start with just a blank so like i just imagine an empty room yeah you know, mm-hmm. and i make no assumptions i don't assume that that i just don't assume anything mm-hmm. so I, I i like to start everything from scratch with a fresh idea a lot of it comes from my head with pencil and paper uh i'll do a lot of sketches before I ever do any research just to see if my research then matches up with my initial ideas and I know that they weren't they weren't influenced that much uh so I do that and then depending on you know physically my my process is just keep working at those sketches until there's a concept mm-hmm. once I have a concept then it's sort of off to the races I've been I've been using Illustrator and Photoshop for long enough that that part of it is not the hard part yeah. you know it's the it's the figuring out what's appropriate for that that job and then sometimes especially if it's say it's a poster I'll design a poster and I'll step back and critique it and i'll just be like it's a cool poster but i'm just not feeling it yeah and sometimes i'll go all the way back to the beginning sometimes one time i I was doing a poster and in the back of my mind i I just got into some magazines and i was like you know what i'm gonna make a a third poster in this series that's gonna get me into another magazine and Mm -hmm. then whenever i was done with it i was like i feel like a fraud because I'm just I'm not making this poster for the band or for the show or for the fans. I'm making it for me to get into a magazine. And I scrapped the whole thing and I went and taped a piece of uh, newsprint to my front door and grabbed a Sharpie and just completely drew the poster at size and scanned that, burned it, and made the prints and it sold out. That's cool. So, and that was it. It was just because I was attempting to do something just kind of disingenuous. Yeah. And being self-aware enough to sort of call yourself out on that yeah, and, and actually scrap it rather than, you know what? Oh, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'll submit it anyways. Right. Uh, it takes right. guts, man. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I always have that kind of discipline, but I try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I try. So we all try. We all try. <laughs> we hope to try. We, we all try, it. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, man. So the next couple of questions I have for you take you down um, some take you down memory lane to a part of your career where you maybe made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I really want to pull those stories out for the listeners. And um, you know, maybe it's something that they can feel or something that they're going through right now. And I think that's valuable. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> so, what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? So I think the biggest challenge that I had early on, I just doubted that 
I, I doubted not my skills, but just the, it, do I want to be a designer mm-hmm. at all? At that point, I was working at sign shops and t-shirt shops and, and it wasn't the, it wasn't, I wasn't, I, I wasn't passionate about it at that point, mm-hmm. but I did, I did still, that didn't stop me from having a big ego at that, at that time, because <laughs> I had a, I had a pretty decent fine art career. I could sell paintings and, and I could draw really well. Uh, and so I just sort of, my ego was a little bit inflated by a little bit. I mean a lot. And so, mm-hmm. uh, that was one of my big downfalls early on, but I was young, you know, I was in my early twenties, uh, and one of the first mistakes that I made was uh, I worked at a screen printing shop, and this was not the cool nationwide places like we have like we have friends that work at. This is just like a small mom and pop uh, making family reunion T-shirts mm-hmm. near an army base, and a young rapper named Pastor Troy came in. Pastor and Troy he was still in high school at that time. He's from Augusta, Georgia, and he was still in high school. And he was a customer. He'd come in every week and get all kinds of stuff made all the time with his imprint on it. And then one day, after kind of building a little bit of a relationship with him, he came in and asked me if I would do his album art. And so I was just, of course I'll do your album art. Well, my boss was there, and and she sort of came down, and she was like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And I turned, and I was like, he didn't ask us to do it. He asked me to do it. Mm -hmm. And 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 I took the job over the counter at this t-shirt shop, you know, told my boss that it wasn't a, you know, and ended up getting fired for the whole situation Oh no! You know, for, for taking away work and, and all that. Uh, but it was just my ego at that point, you know, that, that I needed the job and I think I got paid. I don't even know what minimum wage was, but I bet I mean, I guarantee I made minimum wage there. And the, the, the worst thing about, I'd never been fired from a job before, but the thing about getting fired from a job is that it, it sucks getting fired from a job, mm-hmm. but getting fired from what is basically a crappy job really, really sucks. Because if if you get fired from a crappy job, like where do you go from there? You know, it's like it's totally it's just, it just devastates you. So, uh, so that was a big, big hit, you know. And it kind of humbled me a lot that you know that that those things can happen. It was something I never expected, you know. So. Um, that was one of the big things is just keeping my ego in check. And, and it still took me a long time to, to humble myself mm-hmm. and kind of get real. So when you were let go from that experience, was your initial reaction like, forget you guys, you just don't understand. Get out of here. I don't need you. Yeah. Oh, no, I cr- Hell no, I cried. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love I, it. I, I yes. Cried. Yes. Yeah, it was horrible. I, it was awful. Like, like, I, yeah, I hated it. It was my first job since I'd moved here, and now I went from I went from coloring Superman to getting fired from a place that makes family reunion shirts. Like that is not an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it screwed my whole life up. Oh man, Jason, <laughs> I'm like feeling for you here, thinking like driving home from that. <laughs> so yeah, did I mean, you? I had, I had comic books that hadn't even hit the shelves yet. That you know. And there I am fired from a minimum wage job. <laughs> oh, man. So did you still do that work for Pastor Troy or did that just fizzle out? 
Um, it fizzled out. I did some stuff, and uh, it was just I didn't have the resources. I, I mean, I didn't own a computer. I didn't have anything, mm-hmm. and so. But he uh, he gave me a big stack of CDs when it came out, and I remember sending them back home to all of my friends and be like, "Look, guys, I made it. Rappers are giving me CDs <laughs> in the streets here. <laughs> Rappers giving me CDs in the streets. That's right." I uh, love yeah. that. Come to find out that rappers would be giving me CDs in the streets for the rest of my life. If you're anywhere near Atlanta or anywhere in the South, rappers are going to come up and hand you their CD. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I thought I'd made it. That's cool, man. Oh, what a tough experience. I can totally just picture that and feel that. Um, so the lesson in that, I guess, would be would be what? If you're with that, that company, you just should have handled that situation differently? Or what's the lesson in that? Um, I, I think it's just, yeah, it should have been handled much differently and, and not necessarily, I, I think just with respect to the situation, because that, yeah, whether they whether we were a place that made CD covers, that wasn't the point. The point mm-hmm. was, is that they put me in the position to get that gig. And if I had handled it differently, they probably would have been supportive of it. Uh, and so it's just, it's just reading the situation and having respect for for the context of, of how you're working. So, Mm -hmm. and, and it kind of resonates, you know, you think about you work for somebody and you spend a little bit of time here working on personal projects on, on the company clock. It's a little bit of the same thing. You just got to be able to focus on their stuff when they're the priority and focus on your stuff when you're the priority, but just, just kind of keep a balance there and, and don't, don't tread into the wrong water. Keep it on check. Keep it in check. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and at the end of the day, do the job you're hired to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I want to now go to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like, and how did that feel? So, working at the agency I worked for, which is uh, called Ware Stewart, they we had a lot of big clients, and it was really cool because we we're at the time we were a small agency, and we were getting these big big clients and it was fun and uh we had done a big logo set a i don't want to say their name but a but a spanish-speaking tv network mm-hmm. had decided they were going to branch out into radio okay and so all across the country through satellite radio and internet radio they were going to brand all these stations and so we did the branding for all of them at one time mm-hmm. and it, you know you had the the country radio station the hip-hop the R&B. You had all all the genres, and we had to brand them all at once. And I was tasked with being the lead on this on this job, and I put so much into it. I did the, these vans. These vans were the coolest vans I've ever designed. Yeah, they were the <laughs> coolest radio station vans you'd ever see, and the marks were cool. And everybody was feeling it. And you know, you know how corporate stuff goes. You show it to the person that hired you, and they love it. They show it to their boss, and they love it. So we got to the final meeting, and and there was just a ton of people on this big conference call. We're all standing around and we're presenting to the, to the final decision maker. We had the speech ready and we'd given it 15 times and we start in and you can hear her clicking through the slides ahead of us. And after about three minutes of talking, she says on the phone, let me stop you guys right there for a second. And we all close and she goes, I hate all of this. Oh, and it was like months of work and so many presentations and the work was cool. I love the work. Yeah. And so I was, I was attached to it and I hate every bit of this. And that was just like, 
it was one of those moments where it does just it's crushing and it knocks the wind out of your sails but you have to have the the fortitude to just say okay well they hate it you can go two routes you can you can push back and argue and try to bully them into liking it or we can just figure out how to move forward and you know it was tough but we figured out how to move forward with it Mm-hmm. But that was a, that was a rough one because it was just so much work and and it was it was a big national thing that a lot of people would have would have seen mm-hmm. and I was really proud of it. So just to get that phone call and and be in that position and just say I hate every bit of this. <laughs> I can just imagine like the shock on the uh, on on your side of the phone when she says that. Like how many people were in the room at that point? Oh, it was everybody. Like everybody that worked at, at the at, at where Stewart and then. All of their people were there. I, there had to have been at least twenty people combined on these phone calls and in the room, and it was it was horrible because as soon as she said that, everybody looked at me and just had this sad face, like <laughs> like they all just felt so bad for me, like like oh you can go home, and I was like, no, nah, let's just move on, let's figure it out. Yeah. And I did. I just I, it was it was it was dreadful because I just walked around the table and went and sat back down. And just <laughs> oh no! So and I never even had met the lady. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. This is the first time meeting her, and three minutes in, I hate every bit of this. Oh my gosh! And so, that's how it goes sometimes. So does business development or sales hop on the hop on the line at that point? Like you know, all right, all right, all right, and just kind of like smooth it over. Or? Yeah, sort of. But this was one of those deals. The, the 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 hierarchy of that company was pretty pretty. Yeah, there was no swaying. They're pretty authoritative, so mm-hmm. it, we just changed it. We did some different stuff. It was one of those where it ended up being, you know, here's what we want, do this, and we did. So yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure the turnaround was probably about three days of work of, of a brand new thing we've been working six months on. Oh, but I think that. I think anybody that's worked at an agency, or especially if you've worked with any big corporate entities, mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that happens. Yes. I mean, sometimes sometimes almost worse sometimes they'll love what you do and then they'll just shelve it and it never becomes real mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of weird things that happen in in this career of ours that i think that other people would have a hard time understanding and sometimes it's that you do a lot of really good work and it just sort of dies mm-hmm. oh man one of those boardroom incidents where you just kind of get a little kick in the gut yeah and, and one thing too is i'm a big uh I, I don't believe in in recycling work. I think that if it if that if that if it died, it died. Yeah. So I don't I don't pick it up and try to give it to somebody else. Oh, <laughs> for sure. All right, man. I got one more question, and then we'll turn this bus around to something happy here. Um, All right. <laughs> what is something that you're struggling with in your career right now? So right now, it's just figuring out how I want this career to the context of this career. The work's okay. going to be the same. I'm going to make logos. I'm going to do illustrations. I'm going to do those things. But is it a thing where I want to sit here in my in my basement, in my little office here, and churn out work and be happy and be able to go on vacation and make money and do all those things? Or is it something where I want to rent a little building and try to build something? Mm-hmm. So I already rent an art studio where I do my screen printing, and I have an opportunity to turn that into something something more. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the crossroad I'm at. And that's a good that's a good problem to have is to to figure out what it is because to me it's it's like I, I have a path for success, but maybe not all the fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And then I've got another path for fulfillment, but probably some struggle. 
So that's that's what I'm looking at right now. Do I want to do I want to sit here by myself and be successful, or do I want to get out and struggle? And so mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm trying to decide. And yeah, it, you know, deadlines come up, so it's going to be sooner. Some you know, somebody's going to decide it for me if I don't hurry up and get on it. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I'm figuring. Out. And I've only been doing this for for about a month now, and so I'm still trying to figure it out. Got it. Got it. All right, I'm going to turn this bus around as promised. Now, tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. The most proud of? Um, geez. Uh, now you've, you've, just, you've just made me go blank with all the, with all the uh, thinking about all the, all the, the hiccups <laughs> I've Ask had. you all the horror stories first. <laughs> yeah, what, what fills my heart with joy? Um, I think that the uh, that one of the things, well, one of the things that I, I did, uh, uh, our town started a roller derby team, and it was I worked at a all weekly newspaper, and a buddy of mine came in, and somebody had written an article that said that they were trying to start this team, mm-hmm. and that we should get our wives involved, and that's kind of where it started. They had a meeting, and I could tell from the start that they needed a lot of help, and at that point, this was like real near a turning point. I told you that that first part when I noticed design was a real like eye opener, but from the time in my career where I actually started to care about design and decided I wanted to try to be good at it, it was sort of a slow process. It took Mm -hmm. a few years to get to that point. And during that time, this roller derby team needed my help. And so I realized that this was not a deal where they were going to be able to tell me what they need. Mm-hmm. And so I would go in and I'd be like, well, you guys need to do this. You need to do that. And then I would implement it. I would do it. I would do illustration. I would do design. I would do photography. I would set up photo shoots and art direct. And so what I was doing is I was learning how to do all these things and how to manage other people and how to solve problems after I'd identified them. Mm-hmm. And that was really a part where I didn't even know that I was learning how to be an art director, how to be a creative director, how to do all these things. And then the really cool part about it is that I was winning awards for the design I was doing for them. So I, I started to learn that, hey, these self-initiated projects are, are worth doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is where I gained the skills to work at an agency. Because before that, you know, I was lining up stuff correctly. I was making sure that there was no orphans or widows in my paragraphs mm-hmm. and, and sending out everything on deadline. That was what was a designer was like. And after that project, I, I saw it completely differently. Oh, that's cool. So a complete perspective change then. It really was. And it was just out of necessity. I didn't even know. I didn't say, okay, I'm going to seek out to do these things. Mm-hmm. It was just what needed done. And they were trusting me to do it. That's cool. Again, that sort of self-awareness comes out where you start to, to connect the dots and notice things um, you know, that are challenging you, I guess, that are putting you into a spot where you are seeing things differently. Right. And then being able to have success at the agency or even getting the job there, it really validated a lot of that because I did feel like I could do more. And that was a big opportunity for me to to do those things. And all the the conference speaking and all the stuff that most people see is from its post that time. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. Yeah, that is a great one. What is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? So 
I use uh, the Adobe products that everybody else uses. I love InDesign. Mm-hmm. When I get to design in InDesign, it's, it's my favorite thing because to me, that's the that's the best program. I think there's two kinds of designers. There's there's designers that think InDesign is the best, and there's designers that have never used InDesign. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody that can use InDesign doesn't think it's the best. But uh, I have been addicted to my iPad and Procreate like it's a crack pipe, mm-hmm. and it is so difficult to put it down and for a while, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a month off of using Procreate and, and I still draw a good bit, but I was just like, I'm going to take a month off from using Procreate. And then I was like, but, but why? <laughs> like, I don't think I'm going to gain anything from that. So, uh, uh, I, I really do like the Apple pencil and Procreate and, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Ashley Jones is the first one to put it in my hand at a conference. She had this, she's a little girl and she had this huge, iPad and I was like, oh, I want to see that. And and just after a couple minutes of doing a comp, I was like, okay, I got to get this. Yeah, that's cool, man. That uh, that iPad Pro with the Apple Pencil, that's dynamite. That combo. So and and really, for anybody that doesn't have one, and they're not paying me to say this, it doesn't make you a better artist. It, you can't draw any better with it. It doesn't help you cheat. But what it does is it takes out all those steps that you have between putting something down on paper to getting it into. Uh, application Mm -hmm. so the scanning the finding a pen that works the finding a surface that you can go sit down and draw all that is taken away when you have the ipad and that's the part i love and and i got i couldn't i used to not be able to use it in the car and i kind of got used to being able to ride in the back seat and draw in the car with it Mm -hmm. so i've drawn on a plane on a boat with a goat everywhere so (laughs) all those things it's just it's just great for all that that's awesome so uh, Jason, now's the time of the show for the Ask It Forward question. I've got a question okay. from my previous guest for you, and then you get an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. Okay. So my previous guest was Joanna Papaleo. She is a senior designer at Instrument out in Portland, Oregon. Oh, cool. And, a buddy of mine just went to work there. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you're amazed how small this like design community is, how connected <laughs> only, it is, There's right? only 20 of us, and and and... Uh, we're all trading around the same $20 bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she wanted to ask, what is your superpower? Not superhero oh, wow. power. So let me quickly tell you the story about this one. Um, she was being asked this question in a group of um, other designers and people that she knows. And she initially misunderstood the question. So when people are going around and they're like, you know, I can, uh, I'm really funny, you know, that's my superpower. It gets to her and she's like, I'd be able, I would be like Aquaman. (laughs) (laughs) So she told me that funny story and wanted to ask you, what is your superpower? So, so am I supposed to say what it is or like my superhero, not, not my superhero, not superhero, not your superhero power, but what is your individual superpower? What makes Jason special and unstoppable i think it's my ability to work under pressure somebody told me once that i can design with a gun to my head and i think that's it i think that it's my ability to not have to wait for inspiration to strike Mm -hmm. if you say go i rise to the occasion and a few people have seen that in action where just the most random circumstances happened and they said, okay, you got two minutes to prepare, go. And that's how I get through a lot of the live drawing events that I do. That's how I get through a lot of the spur of the moment speaking events that I do. And it's how I can hit deadlines that are last minute because mm-hmm. I, I've, I'm impervious. I don't believe in designer's block or writer's block. I think that if you've been doing something long enough, you should just be able to do it. And I think that's my power is to be able to handle the pressure. 
That's great. What a great answer. But if I had a superhero power that I could have, it would be instant replay. Ooh, just a quick little rewind. Now, That's it. a viewing instant replay or like a, be able to change it instant replay? No, no, no. Just viewing. Just, just viewing. viewing. Just take it back. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. Uh, Jason, what is the question you would like to ask of my next guest? Okay. So I'm a big uh, advocate for drinking black coffee. And so. So am I. It's just the way that they intended it. And it's the way I drink it. Mm-hmm. So uh, my question, though, for the next guest is what is the worst and describe in detail the worst cup of coffee you've ever had. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I want it now. I love it, man. <laughs> that's great. Jason, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It was amazing thank chatting you so with you. Much. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. If you liked what you heard, please head to iTunes, leave a review and a rating for the show. I read all of them. They make me smile. They make me feel warm. Thank you again for your time. Have an amazing day and I'll see you tomorrow morning.